podcast with everything paranormal this is kermit the frog here kermit the frog hello and his sister jen my voice is so bad tonight Joseph, look, kermit the frog. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, crazy time uh, let me tell you yeah why um just because you want to know something crazy yeah we sell t-shirts yeah so i bought one of my own t-shirts yeah and I forgot to mark what size to get. <laughs> and I, guess you I got the tiny little small. Tiny, put it on your toe. <laughs> <laughs> it finally came in because Teespring's a little slow on their shipping. I hate to say that out loud, but it's a little Come slow on. on their shipping. But um, Get it together. I looked in my mailbox and there was a little envelope in there. I'm like, what's it? I'm like, oh, wait a minute, my T-shirt. I'm like, wait a minute, why is the envelope so tiny? He's tiny. <laughs> Better start losing some weight. So somebody's getting a t-shirt. <laughs> some <laughs> tiny person is going to get a t-shirt. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to buy t-shirts, go up on uh, our website and click on t-shirts. It'll take you to Teespring. We have some really cool shirts yeah. and they're on sale for $17 like they always have been. Awesome. And uh might take a couple of weeks to get them, but you'll get them as long as you mark the right size. As long as you get them by Halloween. Yeah. And you can wear it during the spooky season. That's right. Want to give out a shout out to one of our listeners, Heather. Hi, Heather. Sent us a nice message inbox. Enjoying the show. Oh, cool. And um, oh, I want to give everybody the update because I've been getting like 47 pictures of different parakeets. Oh. My parakeet has not come home. She no. never came home. She's gone. Uh, but um, my other parakeet's just been so sad. Shh. He just sits there and squags. Uh, but anyways, he's going to grandma's this weekend. So he'll be happy be in the 90 degree house and yeah. get treats all day. <laughs> <laughs> get to watch the other birds out the window. Um, something weird happened the other day, Joe. I forgot to tell you guys. Okay. It's um, very, very odd. Okay. Two things. I'll, I'll make it really quick because, you know, we've got to talk about crazy lunatic asylums. Da, da, da. Uh, I was going over to mom's house, right? And now I'm turning off of the main road onto my parent mom's house road. And I see this guy walking down across the street. And something in my head just said, wait, don't go yet, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. You know how you just sometimes don't listen to your intuition. <laughs> sometimes you do. So this time I did. And it was an elderly gentleman. He was probably like dad's age before my dad passed away. He was 88. It was over 90 degrees outside with like 100% humidity. Yeah. He's walking, carrying grocery bags. They were actually from the fast food restaurant. And he gets to the corner. And I don't know. There's just something told me. I, I like almost heard it in my head. Like there's something wrong with this dude. Right. Yeah. And he sits down on the grass and then he lays down on the grass. Now, oh, okay. mind you, it's 97 degrees yeah. out. He's carrying bags. He's 117,000 years old. Right. I'm That's like, old. Holy. I got to do something like, so I pulled in, I pulled into the Woodville rent to own right there. Rolled down the way. I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, it's just so, I'm really overwhelmed. 
he was almost had heat stroke. Yeah. I'm like, where do you live? He's like, just down the street in the apartments. And I'm like, okay, get in. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets in. He's got his bucket of chicken. He's got three beers in a bag. And <laughs> like tall boys, right? Yeah. And he's dad's age. And uh-huh. he's out there and he's like, he's like, I just got overwhelmed. I was going to call my wife. And I was like, well, it's okay. Like, let me just mm-hmm. run you down the street, right? And I put the air conditioning on him. And so I was like, thank God I didn't have to call the rescue squad, yeah. right? But it was weird. It was just that thing in your head, like something telling me, don't turn yet. Watch this guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was weird. It was almost like like an angel was talking to Could me. Be. Or spirit guides, I guess you would yeah. say. And so I dropped him off. He lived in those apartments right there. Oh, I don't forget what they're called, though. Gildan or something. Yeah. You know where the old barbershop used to be that dad used to get his haircut? Right at Tremainsville <laughs> or across from the car wash. He lived all the way down there? Yeah. That's like a mile walk. I know. And it was 117,000 degrees outside. <laughs> so it was just, so I just drove him to the apartment. and mm-hmm. He's like, I really appreciate you doing this. And I was like, well, if it was my dad or my grandpa, yeah. you know, I would do that. So I did my good deed for the week. But um, the second weird thing was I had the strangest thing happened in the house i was like sitting on the couch i kept hearing this knocking noise and it wasn't like the fireworks outside or anything you know because sometimes that can like reverberate in your house or whatever and i kept hearing this like banging noise on my wall right behind my couch and i was like i just don't know what that is i don't know i mean i'd never heard it before Mm -hmm. and i haven't heard it since but it was literally like somebody going knock 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 oh wow Okay, what is going on? Somebody getting your attention. I mean, like, my my couch is, like, weighs 18,000 pounds, so it's, like, you can't... It's not like something's behind there and it got behind there and is moving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you see my setup. Weirdness. But yeah. Anyways. And it's not knocking on this side of the house because the house is brick. No. Yeah, you wouldn't hear somebody if mm-hmm. somebody knocked on the brick, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's weird. Very weird. You know, strange stuff happens sometimes, <laughs> but we love it. We love it. So carrying on with our theme of asylums, we're going over to Australia today. Going down under. And uh, going to a couple there. And I've been doing some research on this one, and you've been doing research on the other. And it's just as wicked as they get. You know, when you picture like the 1850s and you have this mental asylum a lunatic asylum now lunatic definition of lunatic joe and i looked it up <laughs> we we talked about it on another show about the moon it's basically derived from the latin word luna which is mm-hmm. lunar to the moon and they believe that people were affected back in the 1800s or earlier than that they felt people were affected by the phases of the moon yeah and when it was a full moon people went absolutely bad which they still do they do (laughs) like drive on (laughs) i-75 right (sighs) when it's a full moon people are driving like they're qualifying for nascar i'm not kidding (laughs) it's like i'm just like in my volkswagen just trying to get to work people it's crazy Mm -hmm. go to you know what we should do experiments we should go to walmart during the full moon and see people turn into bum bum bum. Where Karen's? Where Karen's? <laughs> I just made that up. Okay. So, want to go first, Joe? Go Talk. ahead. Go All ahead. right. So, you got more info on that one. I didn't this, realize. This place is 
massive, like massive. So, but I do notice before you start mm-hmm. the pitchers, mm-hmm. they look alike. So they're built the same exact way. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to figure, you know, it's an island, right? So they're going to use the same materials, probably have the same architect yeah, going probably around. Same architect. You know? This is a Victorian age psychiatric hospital. Now, they literally call it the Beechworth Lunatic Asylum, and it's in Victoria, Australia. Now, Victoria would be like a state here. You know, I think they have like five states maybe in Australia. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do so great in history, <laughs> but... You know, this place is located in this beautiful town. It's called Beechworth. Now, it's a few hours from Melbourne. And they named it the Beechworth Lunatic Asylum. Like, could that be any great, right? Like, you know, you think, you, you picture those movies, mm-hmm. you know, like an old Johnny Depp movie or something where the people are in the lunatic asylum. They're literally like staring at the moon and howling and half of them don't have clothes on and mm-hmm. they're in this like dank dungeness thing and they're talking to cockroaches and you know eating cockroaches it's exactly this yeah exactly what you would think it is you know one of the most seen ghosts in this particular asylum is matron sharp now her apparition has been seen in several different parts of the hospital but we'll come back to that because I want to tell you guys a little bit about the history of the place. It's, just, it's, it's crazy. Okay, no pun intended, <laughs> right? So the asylum was later renamed the Mayday Hills Hospital. Mayday, Mayday mm-hmm. right? Oh, gosh. That was no pun intended either. Um, it's the second oldest asylum in Victoria, and it dates back to 1867. Now, when it opened, it stretched for a half a kilometer from one end to the other. So that's like, what, three miles long? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, this place is a giant. I don't know if that's even a thing, kilometer. I don't know. Whatever. It's big. Uh, so it held 1,200 patients. Now, when it was full, there was about 600 men and 600 women. Over 3,000 people died within the walls in the span of 128 mm-hmm. years that it was fully operational. Now, they closed the doors in 1995, and since then it's been operated as a campus of a university called the La Trobe, and it's also run as a hotel and a conference center. Oh, <laughs> Can you okay. imagine, like, let's go to the lunatic exam and stay? Well, they did have that up in Michigan, Yeah, up in true. the UP. Or not the UP. Um, uh, Traverse City. Traverse City. Uh, you, you know, get me on a plane to Australia, freaking get some koala bears and stuff and go on over. <laughs> Pack them in my bag. Take them home. Okay. So in one of the day rooms, the signature of Jay Kelly is scratched into the glass. Now, Jay Kelly was Ned Kelly. He's a very famous outlaw. Now, after burning down his sister-in-law's house in Greta, in which young Ned was in at the time, Jim was sentenced to 15 years hard. As part of his sentence, he was sent to Mayday Hills to help build the hospital. So it was almost like forced labor, right? Yeah, most of these places were. Right. After serving his time, it was said that his mind was, quote unquote, broken. And he spent much of the rest of his days housed in the hospital until his death until 1903. So this place was so bad. I mean, it was like nobody was wearing clothes. There was just 
chaos, right? Mm -hmm. All the time. Very few patients ever walked out alive. Okay, so in the Rolling Hills near Beechworth and in Victoria, Australia, so you're going to find this building. It's old. It's dilapidated. It's one of the largest in all of Australia. If you were sent there, all it really took was a signature of like your husband or something. Yeah. So, um, or your friend, they could sign anybody in mm -hmm. there and they would take anybody, right? Because they could use them as cheap labor or they would get funds from the, the government. So once you were there, the new patients would be interviewed by a ward physician and Beechworth was one of the many mental institutions operating in Australia at that time. Some of the physician interviews have survived to this day, which is really rare because, you know, it's like as 200 years ago, mm -hmm. right? And so many of these places burnt down or yeah, there water was damage. Huge or, fire here. Oh, there was? Okay. Yeah. Um, and they speak of the troubled patients, the brutal treatments, and very little hope of escape from this place. So some of the things that went on there, so people were subjected to medical treatments during the day, including straight jackets, restraining chairs, isolation cages. Pre-1950, the standard treatment of the days for those people suffering from mental illness or neurological illnesses like epilepsy was restraint. They would just restrain everybody. Mm -hmm. All day long. Then came the lobotomies and shock treatments. So, you know, one of the cruel features of Beechworth is no, it, it was known as what they call the haha -ha walls, H-A-H-A -H -A walls. So the key of feature of the haha -ha walls was a trench and it was built on the interior of the asylum's walls. Now this made the wall appear low enough that inmates weren't imprisoned from the outside, ensuring that none of them could actually escape. So, you know, it's particularly brutal history has festered up some of the most intense paranormal activity in the area. One of the wings called the Gravella wing was where patients waited for electroshock therapy. Um, visitors today report that the area is like super icy cold and, you know, Australia is pretty hot. Um, there's a number of patients and doctors that still wander the halls, even in their death. Um, there was one women, woman who was pushed out of a window because another patient wanted her cigarettes she died. She comes back and is wandering around looking for her smokes. The chilling vision of her body laying where it fell from the window has been seen numerous times by visitors. There was a gardener who uh, worked there for many, many, many years. He died and he always wore this green jacket. So like when he died, nurses found, and this is so weird, they found 140 pounds equivalent of four years wages sewn into his the seams of his jacket oh wow so yeah just very very odd people hear children laughing they see people running across the grounds in pure you know regular daylight there was a young boy who went to visit this place with his mother you know, in modern times. And he was talking to these little kids and, and she's like, who are you talking to? And he's like, I'm talking to the little boy here. You know, mm -hmm. I can't do it. Now, so I gotta work <laughs> on my Australian accent, right? Um, but once you were admitted to Beechworth, 
there was or any asylum in Australia mm-hmm. during that area, there was really no chance of getting no. out whatsoever. There was no escape. Approximately one third of all patients who entered a Victorian Australia network of asylums never came out, never made it out alive. There is a chapel in there. There's a morgue. They have weddings in this place. I mean, can you imagine having a wedding in a haunted place? Didn't we just talk about another wedding Uh at another asylum? Yep. So it's really, really interesting. Some of the things that have come out of there. There's one patient who was thought to haunt Beechworth. His name was Tommy Kennedy. Now, Tommy liked it at the hospital. He was given a job as a kitchen hand. They don't really know why he was sent there, but it could have been just, he could have been an orphan Mm -hmm. or, you know, ADHD or anything, right? Well, he loved working in the, as a kitchen hand and he actually died in the kitchen, which is now part of the Bijou theater that's in there. And people said that they have felt a sensation of something tugging at their clothes and poking at their ribs, which, you know, we I felt poking in um, Mansfield. Remember that? Yeah. Like I thought Joe was poking me in the back. <laughs> like, I was like 10 feet away from you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, type of hauntings in and out of there. There's doctors, there's nurses, there's patients, young, old. There's shadow figures, there's um, creepy crawly things, there's sounds, door slamming, um, screams being heard, laughter. You know, there was one patient who was a huge chain smoker. Now, she was Jewish, and so her body wasn't allowed to be moved until the rabbi had seen it. And so she was just left out in front of the hospital and for two days. Oh, wow. Two days until the rabbi had made the trip there. Now her ghost is still seen on that spot. And um, people smell cigarettes. And also the window that she was thrown out of, there's an orb that is visible all the time in people's photos in that particular area. Okay, here's a really cool one. You know, there's um, a grisly tale. This is of a patient who had disappeared despite efforts, you know, of the staffs looking all over for him and we can't find him. Several weeks later, his location was discovered when the resident dog, Max, was found chewing on a leg near the gatehouse at the grounds entry. Now, a second search found the body up a tree and had decomposed so badly that the leg came off. Now, the ghost of the patient has been seen um, near the entrance of the asylum and sightings have usually um, occur early hours of the morning. So maybe he passed away in the morning. Yeah, just it's insane. That's crazy. It's crazy. Now it's open for these other type events there's uh, the college on there there's they hold weddings there's conference rooms in a hotel and people just all day long hearing footsteps hearing door slams hearing people call their name all day all night in all of these different types of you know uses that they use for it now so just very very bizarre things you know they were using some other like treatments for mental illness they would we talked about this at other places they would put them in ice filled bathtubs Mm -hmm. and then immediately put them into scalding hot water or vice versa they thought that was going to cure mental illness really really other than and then people just died yeah you know their bodies couldn't handle that so there's many patients buried there in unmarked graves right like thousands 
And it wasn't really until the late 1980s that they, you know, discovered most of these graves and put some headstones there to remember um, the people. But they have a lot of um, activity where they found those bodies because people are, they just say they're at unrest because Mm -hmm. they're, you know, buried in mass shallow graves. Very Um, unceremoniously or whatever you want to say too, where they just pull the body into the hole and throw some lime or whatever on it and cover it up. Yep. On to the next one. Yeah. You see this in the movies, but it was really true. I mean, people were like head to toe covered in like lice and fleas and ticks. And um, they would literally hose them down with like high pressure hoses and and not put any clothes on them and shave their heads. And, you know, people would just be picking, you know, a lot of like mental illness, anxiety. A lot of people pick at their Mm -hmm. skin. So there's open wounds and sores and filth and disease and people just die and they leave their bodies yeah. there it was really really sad i mean that is what they did back then but you know i don't believe in that but you know it is you can't change the past right no and and that's what i found about a lot of these asylums is how they treated the patients it's just unbelievable i mean we've been talking about it for three weeks now and they're pretty much the same thing at every place we're talking about so you could have epilepsy you could have schizophrenia you could just be depressed or hyper or manic i mean you could be the anything you could have uh, just a, a physical deformity and they could just throw you in there mm-hmm. for any reason um if somebody just wanted you know the family was ashamed they just hide you away there you and want. there were babies yeah if a mother gives birth to a baby that is missing a finger or anything she could declare it yeah insane or whatever and t- it grow up there yeah there's um a picture of this like doctor's kit that they used in the late 1800s. Um, it was to relieve lung fluid from psychiatric patients. So, you know, obviously there's no medication. Yeah. People are sick. They're just experimenting on them and they're just sticking giant needles in them to, mm-hmm. you know, pull fluid out of them. Like, oh, God. You know, many of the women were tasked with sewing and washing. Men, um, you know, made shoes or tended farms. Um, There were crops that were being, um, you know, raised. There was kind of like what we talked about. Yeah. uh, Mm Self-sufficient, you know. I think they had to be because, you know, you think about it nowadays, they're getting a lot of the hospitals, even not, you know, even the mental hospitals are getting food, you know, shipped in. But back then. You grew your own food. You had your own cows. You had all that, you know, and I think that's how it is at every one of these asylums that we talk about. They all were self-sufficient because of that fact. You know, you didn't go down to Walmart and get your food, (laughs) you know. We love a Walmart. But I want to talk about the, I don't know if you call it the sister asylum of that. Mm -hmm. It's called Ararat Lunatic Asylum. Uh, Now Australia's largest abandoned mental institution, Ararat Lunatic Lunatech Asylum, or Airedale, as is now known. They, they changed it to Airedale Mental Hospital. But anyhow, that that opened the same year as the, that the one that you were talking about. It opened up in 1867. Because back then, and I noticed this doing a lot of the research is, especially in Australia, they, or like uh, Great Britain and all that, they all opened at the same time because they figured that they needed these places to put these people so you had an insurgence of these giant buildings being built to house all these people. What they did with them before that, I don't know. 
So this place opened in 1867 and it closed in 1997. Okay, and over its 130 years, 13,000 deaths occurred inside the building. So you're looking at a death, 100 or 100 deaths a year. Wow. Which I was thinking about that. Okay, as many people as there were, to me that almost doesn't seem like a lot. That's one every three days. Is it? Yeah, like 100 people, 365 yeah. days a year. That's Mm -hmm. Wow. So it was located on about 205 kilometers away from Melbourne, which sounds like the other place you're talking about. The area was used to relieve the prison system for those thought to be mostly criminally insane and irreparably evil. However, it's also become a place for individuals suffering from mental illnesses and postnatal depression. Oh, conditions yeah. such as epilepsy down syndrome mm-hmm. and that was a big one too i remember uh, was it i forget the name of it where we live out towards indiana there was a place and i remember it was for mentally retarded or mentally challenged mm-hmm. people with down syndrome uh-huh. and i remember we used to be we used to drive past there and everybody's like oh that's where they keep those oh, so even that. when you know I mean, a lot of these places closed in like 90s, 97 and that. So back in the sec, you know, 70s and 80s when we were growing up, we were driving past some of these places that were open still. Yeah. Doing the research, I did find, I think there's a few places around that are still open. Like, mm-hmm. But here in Toledo, I mean, we still have the state-run hospital that I drive past all the time. And I think that's st- still in operation because when I was doing my thing with the doctors, with uh, pharmacogenetics, I almost got into that place to talk to the doctors about that, but that never came through. So it's still open. So some of these places are still open, you know. And, okay, so going back to this one, at any one time, the old Victorian structure, because it was the same thing as what you had, had roughly five or roughly a thousand patients and five hundred staff. So it wasn't really understaffed. Yeah, yeah, that'd be like two patients for every. Staff member, yeah. which that seems like a lot of staff members, but hey. Well, the thing is about this place is, too, also, that it was a place where they taught doctors and nurses. Oh, okay. So you had a lot of interns coming in, and they actually had a, so in this hospital, they actually had a, what they called a hostel that the interns stayed in. Mm-hmm. And these conditions that the interns stayed in were just as bad as the, the patients had, okay? And- being interns that they weren't treated as good as, you know, the regular doctors and all that anyways. They were kind of forced labor as, in themselves mm-hmm. as they were learning. Now, the thing about this place is they had the, the men's wards and the women's wards. And just like you were saying, if you went into this place, you had people just sitting in chairs. You had people strapped down to beds. The one thing that they did say about this place is that there were situations where the people were strapped down to the bed so long that the their skin was growing over the restraints oh my goodness one or several patients actually had their limbs detaching from their bodies because they're restrained and they're flopping around Uh, and by doing this over and over and over their limbs actually got ripped out of the sockets Uh, (laughs) and the doctors never paid any attention to them yeah you know you you would think Okay, it's like meal time or that, but they really didn't have a scheduled times that they would take care of these patients. They would just, you know, walk up to you. And, oh, it's time to eat. It's time to eat, and 
if you restrict or resisted, mm-hmm. they would leave you alone. You wouldn't eat that day. Oh. And there were people dying of starvation. There were people dying of diseases. Mm-hmm. There were people committing suicide. There were doctors, nurses, and interns committing suicide because of the conditions. Wow. It was just brutal. There was one story of a woman that she actually escaped because you know from these other ones, if your husband wants you committed, a woman can be committed to this by just having two signatures of people that she knows, not documented relatives or anything, just mm-hmm. two people that know her. Oh, my goodness. And whether the husband's buddy from work says, yeah, I know her or not, they had her committed. Well, the one woman, she actually escaped. And when she got out into the world, basically, into the woods, because this was located out in the country. Mm-hmm. She got away from there, got scared, went back. They found out that she escaped. The doctors actually took a broom and shoved it down her throat and (gasps) killed her. Oh, my goodness. And she's one of the spirits that haunts the location. That poor girl. I mean, come on. She escaped and came back because, you know, she was afraid in Mm -hmm. place. So she came back and they actually killed her. That's awful. And it's a documented thing. These places, they this place here, they see all kinds of the range of ghosts. They see apparitions of people just laying dead. They see apparitions of people walking by. They see apparitions of doctors. They hear screaming when there's no one in the rooms. Um, they have tours there. It's now it, where you can actually go and get tours mm-hmm. of the place, just like a lot of these. And a lot of them are ghost tours. And there are people that get scratched. There are people that get touched. They get insane, no pun intended, EVPs. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable of the amount of activity that they get in this place. and But one of the main things that people hear are screams. They'll be in rooms by themselves and they'll hear people screaming. That's very bizarre. Which obviously happened. Right. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine this is, uh, the sounds that went on in there? Like, you just, how could you even, mm-hmm. I mean, you'd have to get paid a lot of money yeah. <laughs> to work there. There were stories of the people coming up for the tours and looking up into the windows and seeing patients in the windows. Wow. You know, because residual. Mm-hmm. It's something that those patients did every single day. And when they passed on, they didn't know. You know, I don't, I don't it's not sound mean, but they didn't know any better. Right. So they're stuck there, I'm, sitting there in the windows. I would be a little apprehensive about ghost hunting. And, you know, and I was going into the asylum that we went into, you know, just because of like, my mental Ill- illness issues like depression and anxiety. I'm like, is it going to get worse? Is it? Are they going to feed you're upon You're depressed that? and your anxiety. I know, so right? Like, I just run the gamut. So you're <laughs> bouncing around going, what was me? What was me? What was me? <laughs> Pretty much <laughs> all day long, right? I'm like, I can't. And I'm like, oh, I can't. But, but the thing is, you know, life. I we've been to a few asylums, but I... We have not been into any asylums that have been this bad. Yeah. I, or that old, you know, mm-hmm. United States, our, ours are, are old. But um, the one we went to is, yes, it was an asylum, but it also was a working poor farm. Mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, an orphanage. It was a um, reformatory. I'm sure there was a lot that went on, but just the sheer numbers that you're talking about. And the thing about the error at Lunatic Asylum was... The experiments, the Ugh. same thing, like the other ones. Lobotomies. Lobotomies, and not just not just the ones where they shove an ice pick up the eyeball. 
they actually drilled holes in the head. Oh my god! And stuck a rod in there and just kind of mixed it around. Uh, I don't want to know. It's so uh, gross. That same thing. The water treatments, electroshock therapies, um, restraint therapy, which led to people actually ripping their arms and legs out of their sockets. Yeah. And the doctors not caring. They had, you know, some of this experiments per se they said were for science but a lot of it i think was for enjoyment Mm -hmm. because they had these people that nobody knew there was no record of these people they're just people that are in there and the doctors could do whatever they want to them Mm -hmm. and they did and you know australia its history it was originally a prison Mm -hmm. a colony you know they sent out the worst of the worst down to australia out of England, Ireland, you know, in the British Isles. But that's what this Ararat also started out as, was a mm-hmm. place where they sent prisoners. Oh, my gosh. You know, not not per se the murderers and that, but people that they thought were psychological criminals. Hanalakta! Yeah. You know, there were times where panic would ensue and people would get trampled to death. Mm-hmm. There was a fire in the one that I was talking about, the Beechworth, uh, probably like in the last 50 years and it destroyed the men's side of it but they still see people or spirits and ghosts um walking through the rubble like the building stood still mm-hmm. stood there which i think is f- really fascinating because it always seems like if a haunted location um either burned down or got destroyed or like like with hurricane when we went down to new orleans mm-hmm. where the whole Neighborhood was just literally washed away. Yeah. People alive and dead. Like, do those spirits just move on to the next plane because there's nowhere for them to stick, you know, there but no halls to house them in. But the thing is, lots of times, like we talk about these with residual hauntings, to them, it's still there. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But it always seems like when there is something tragic, like a fire or destruction of the property, the, the spirits just move on. Mm-hmm. But that's that's interesting that they're still there. I want to see some video of this. Like, <laughs> I got to see this place, right? Uh, it's just amazing to me how haunted these locations are. You know, we talk about, well, why don't they move on? But to them, that's all they knew. They grew up in there. And the abuse that they suffered made them even more to where they don't know the difference between reality and yeah, her life. I mean may still be in that mental state mm-hmm. you don't know like just because you're dead doesn't mean that you everything everything's perfect and and you know <laughs> all the answers to the universe that's funny i was driving home from work was it yesterday yeah it was yesterday and the the clouds were just absolutely incredible like you know it was there was blue skies there was black as night clouds there were big white puffy clouds there were like streaks of sunshine come through and i was thinking where's dad at? Like, is he up in those clouds? Right. Where do the dead people go? Like, where's heaven? Is it outside of our universe? And I I was just like pondering these great things on the way home. Right. It's trying to distract me from my stressful job. But, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's weird. Like where do all the spirits go? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got what, 13,000 people that perished at that place. Have they moved on to the light? Are they all still there? Or is it just a portion of them, right? Do they reincarnate? Do they, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's so many different things. We don't know. It's so fascinating. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, being in the paranormal and, and ghost hunting, there's always the question why, 
what if? And we had a discussion live on Facebook last night, me, Harold, and Don. We mm-hmm. did a hour and a half discussion about that exactly thing where we don't really know anything about this stuff. We just assume that we know, and there's a lot of speculation, but truthfully, we don't know where all this stuff goes. I mean, people... There, we have there's psychics out there that say, you know, this is what happens. But you could talk to five different psychics and get five different answers. Yeah. You know, so it's basically, it's all speculation until we actually go there. Not that we want to go there anytime soon or anything, right? <laughs> but um, no, it's just fascinating. Like, you know, it's one thing is you have somebody who passes away and they die. But when there's this great emotional stress and great emotional trauma mm-hmm. mixed in, it just seems like it elevates the level of haunting like, yeah. to a, a whole nother plane, right? Like you're going to the lunatic asylum to ghost hunt. You're yeah. Like, oh, I, man. I really enjoy <laughs> going to places like that. Old prisons, lunatic yeah. asylums, places like that. because You fit right in, Joe. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because when I, all the EVPs that that I get, they're all like, welcome back. I'm like, what? (laughs) What? We're back. (laughs) Joe's back. Everybody's like, Joe's back. Back. And he sounds like Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Where's Miss Piggy? (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's so interesting, like the European asylums versus the American asylums versus the... The Asian asylums. It's it's very very fascinating yeah, I, um, looking into the history of these places and the different you know ways that they dealt with mm-hmm. it. You know, like the Chinese were very regimented and sometimes just did away with the people. You know, yeah, like just didn't want to be bothered and you didn't deserve to live, even though you may only have had you know you could have had you know, whatever, yeah. epilepsy uh-huh. or something like that. It's just really, really sad. I'm, I mean, you know, we made great strides in men- mental illness, but I don't think we mm. even scratch the surface of oh, what no. we could do to help people right no. now, you know? But anyhow, thanks for listening this week, folks. Oh, hi, bye. Sorry, um, I was on my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, just uh, stay tuned next week for our last installment of... Saying signs. I think we're going to come back to America or we may go to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Haven't decided yet. Stay You'll tuned. Find out next it'll week. be a mystery. But appreciate everybody listening. You guys are great. Thanks for sticking with us. Please share the show with all your friends. You can just, you know, go to our Facebook page, give it a like, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes. Have a great week, everybody. And let's leave with a little bit of crud glue. Feeling blue. Goodbye.